All right, I'm John. I'm a heroin addict. Hey, Man, it's been a long time since I opened my mouth at a meeting. Um, all right, so uh, real quick, just to qualify, set that timer. Um, got my first DUI at 21. Uh, and that was when I was introduced to opiates, you know, got Norcos, broke my collarbone. Um, that scared me away from drinking for a little bit, but I just replaced it with opiates. Um, I, I loved Vicodin. I loved Norcos. Um, burned my life to the ground between that first DUI and my second DUI. A couple years later, uh, I was stealing from work. I was burning family. I was doing anything I had to do to uh, maintain that habit. And in that period of time, I made the jump from Norcos to 80 milligram Oxycontin. That's my first love. I, yeah, I love following that shit up my nose. I love it. Um, so those, I, those pretty much just began the spiral. Uh, I picked up my second DUI in 2010 and just slowly shit got worse. You know, um, after that second DUI, I got busted. I worked at a veterinary clinic and I was in charge of ordering meds. Well, dogs take a lot of the meds that we do. So I ordered my own hydrocodone doggy strength and got busted and, uh, got kicked out of the house and everything. So I got shipped off to the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. Uh, it took less than a week for me to find a connect out there. Uh, it was mostly meth. I hated meth, but I did meth because, um, I, you know, there was nothing else around and shit got really weird in Oklahoma, but, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the book talks about, you know, it doesn't matter where we go. There's no getting away from, you know, the addiction because the addiction is, is within myself. You know, the problem is my way of thinking. Um, what brought me into treatment was in 2016, I was in four car accidents. I totaled three cars and I picked up DUIs number three and four, uh, within a six month period. Um, I remember, uh, I mean, I was still, I was still facing a felony count for my third DUI. Uh, I sideswiped somebody, you know, that that's what woke me up from the nod and then rear ended somebody, you know, at the next light and, uh, got locked up, had to kick in jail. That's no fun. And like within, within a month and a half, you know, I had picked up my brother from treatment. We picked up 180 muscle relaxers, somas. Uh, I didn't make it to the end of the night and I had run up a curb into a light pole and I was going back to Long Beach jail for DUI number four. Hadn't even been charged for the third one. And um, that's kind of what brought me to like my breaking point. Like uh, that's when I had to realize like I needed help. I didn't know how the fuck to stop or stay stopped. I just had no idea. I had no idea what to do. You know, I had tried the Suboxone and Xanax trick and guess what? It doesn't work. Um, I tried it. I tried everything, man. But, but the way that my head was running, I remember a, a conversation I had with my mom, you know, having to look her in the eyes, brokenhearted again, and telling her that like, I just, she's trying to understand. And I said, I would just do fuck anything to get this thing to just shut the fuck up because it was just nonstop. It was nonstop. And in hindsight, I look back and once I got that first DUI, that was like all the verification that I needed for all of the things that I had been thinking up to that point, that I, I wasn't shit. I was going nowhere. I was working a dead end job. I was supposed to have it all figured out, but I was a fucking failure and I was a disappointment to my family, my friends, everybody. And um, 
So, uh, you know, I justified everything that I was doing based on that, you know, and it's just a miserable fucking way to live. Um, so fast forward 2016, you know, I picked up the phone and I asked for help. Um, what pushed me to do that was I remember I was sitting in jail the second time and I was listening to these guys, their, their big plans once they got out and they were going to go do this and they were going to go do that. And they were going to hit this guy up. And I was like, holy fuck, dude, like you sound stupid. <laughs> and then I started thinking like, is that what I sound like? You know, like, is that what I look like? Because that's fucking ridiculous. And, and it kind of sank in and it was like, yes, that's exactly right. Because every time I got out of jail, my boy was picking me up with more dope, you know, and, and off and running, I went. And um, that I picked up the phone and somebody got me into treatment. I had no idea what the hell treatment wasn't an option for me. I didn't have money. I didn't have family to help me out. I didn't have insurance. I had nothing. And somebody offered me, you know, a, a scholarship to a treatment center. So I went because I had no idea what to do. I remember I showed up to treatment and, you know, my mind was just racing because I had all these charges pending and I had no idea what the fuck to do, but I knew like, I just needed you guys to get me off of drugs so I can go back and I can fix all this. I can fix it. I can replace my dad's truck. I need to get three jobs so I can write all these, these wrongs, you know? And, and I really thoroughly believe that I had to do that. And um, so in treatment, we all know, I think for the most part that they introduce us to these rooms to the 12 steps and stuff. And I came in, you know, I picked up a first sponsor because that's what you guys told me to do. I'm a good kid. I follow the rules in treatment. And uh, I picked up the sponsor and, you know, it wasn't really working out. He wasn't really answering the phone. I was kind of giving a half-assed effort. It didn't work out. Um, my buddy ended up pushing me into like, hey, you know what, that dude's at most of the meetings we go to. And he seems like he knows what's up, dude. And he's pretty cool. So I hit him up. And, you know, it goes back to that they preach, you know, ask somebody to sponsor you who has something that you want. You know, I had no idea what the fuck I wanted, but I remember looking at this guy and he had a smile on his face. He seemed genuinely happy. People fucking liked him. And he didn't, he looked like just happy. And I had no idea what the fuck that felt like or looked like at this time. And so I picked this guy up. I had nothing in common with him. You know, I'm, I'm a, a clean cut white boy from the suburbs of Long Beach. This guy's uh, ran with the mafia on the East Coast. And, you know, didn't, uh, you know, he did stand up uh, robberies and shit like that. I just got DUIs. I just got fucked up and crashed into things. But I had nothing in common with this man. But he was able to take me into this book. Um, you know, my solution is no different than anybody else. I'm sure you've heard sit up here. Um, he got me into the book and he started breaking things down to where I could understand it because I start reading that book and I, I, I just fucking lose it. You know, I need to put on my helmet and I, I just, it doesn't make sense. And, uh, he started breaking things down to where it, it, it really made sense to me. And I started seeing myself. And the thing that stuck out to me most was, like I said, I couldn't identify with like the shit that he had done, but I could identify with the things like what he said he felt like. You know, he fucking hated himself. He, he wanted every bone in his body wanted to stop doing the shit that he was doing, but he couldn't do it. And, um, you know, that man took me through these steps and I, I, I didn't really have an opinion on the God thing, but he got me in on it. And, um, you know, once he told me that it was up to me to come up with my own conception of it, I was like, all right, I can, you know, I can get on board with that. 
Um, not to say that, you know, I was this, this perfect straight A student, you know, I definitely fiddled around with some of these things that they tell you not to do and, um, learn some lessons, but in that process, these things started happening in my life that I couldn't explain because I thought I had to go back and fix these things. I was the only one that could fix the things that I fucked up. Nobody else could handle that. Nobody else could do that. I had to do it. And these things started to fall in place, not even necessarily in my life, but for some of the people around me, you know, my parents, these things just started to kind of happen. And I was like, wow, you know, is this what they're really talking about in here? These things just started happening and I didn't have anything to do with it. Like that, that's a first for me. And so that's when I, I remember I was about on my third step and that's when things started to just kind of click. It started to make sense to me and maybe there was something here. Um, you know, I, I basically just followed that guy around. He, you know, he told me to get these commitments. He told me to, you know, work with other guys. He told me to just do these things. And essentially what I learned is this, this whole program is just about follow the leader. Monkey see, monkey do. Find somebody who's walking the walk and just do what he does, do what she does. But I know uh, if you're anything like me, I'm going to spin that shit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come at it with every single angle and try to figure out you know, a quicker way, a better way, um, John's way, because my way is always better. And, um, it, it just, it doesn't work, you know, um, that was back in 2016. This man, uh, I still talk to, to this day, I didn't stay sober. Obviously, uh, there was some things that, you know, I didn't fully get. And I remember, um, you know, I, I was feeling sorry for myself because I had to go face those consequences at about nine months sober. So I had to go turn myself in and go to L.A. County Jail. And, um, you know, I got into a lot of self-pity. That's like my safe space. That's where I love to live. That's where I thrive. That's where I'm comfortable. And, um, you know, uh, it didn't those things still come up to this day, but it, like none of this shit changes overnight. You know, it took me 10 years to run my life into the ground before I was even willing to ask for help. Um, I can't expect these things to get better in any amount of time because I don't fucking know if that's gonna happen. The biggest thing that I've learned, uh, especially over the past year, the past year has been ruthless, man. Life, a lot of life has happened. Life has kicked the shit out of me. And, um, you know, the biggest thing that I learned is like, just what, what is the issue? Like, what can I do today? How do I get through today? And then tomorrow I deal with it then. And I've never been at a place to where I was actually like comfortable with that. And, and that was walking through my father's death unexpectedly. Um, you know, another loss of a job. My brother who was in the hospital for a month who had to have brain surgery because of an accident at work. And these are the things that I walked through. Um, you know, the people around me are, are phenomenal. It's great. But unless I, unless I have a connection that they talk about in, in this book, that we work out of. If I don't have that connection, there's going to be a point in time to where that drug, for some fucking crazy reason, I can't explain it. But once you get sober, drugs just kind of like land on your lap and they just, when you're walking outside, it's just right there. I don't know about you, but this just happened to me more times than I could count. And it, it blows my mind because when I was out there doing what I do, that it never happened. But, uh, you know, and, and it, it's going to come down to where it's put in front of you and nobody else is around. And maybe that person doesn't pick up the phone when, when you don't know what to do. And it's going to come down to that connection that you have with whatever you're calling, you know, that power greater than yourself. 
and it's either going to happen or it's not. When it comes to us specific as heroin addicts, we die, man. We die when we make that decision. When that, when, when that happens, we fucking die. I can't tell you how many people that we've had to walk over in this program to maintain, to keep our own sobriety. When somebody told me like early on that I would have to walk over bodies to keep my sobriety, I was like, you're on drugs, old man. They don't fucking talk to me. Like, and with time, it slowly, it slowly happened, but it started getting closer and it started getting closer and closer and closer. And uh, it's, it sucks, man. It sucks having to go to these, these funerals and, and see the family and the friends and, and just to, I mean, to have to feel that, you know, I know because I didn't want to feel them. Life would get stressful. I need to get fucked up because I don't like how I feel. And today those, those feelings come up. Sometimes a thought might fly in, fuck this, go get, go do drugs. And I don't have to act on it. It's just, it's a thought. But now is that something that's going to go on the rest of my life? I don't know. To this point, I could say yes, it has, but it's just a thought. I don't have to act on it today. Um, these are these are just some of the things that have come up um, in this crazy second chance of life that I've been given. Um, because if I look back, you know, at my history and everything else, I shouldn't be here, man. I really shouldn't. I crashed a lot of fucking cars. I did a lot of dumb shit, um, you know, and walked away pretty much like unscathed. Uh, it, it's pretty simple to this program is just about asking somebody else to help me out because I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. Um, slowly, my, my ego likes to creep in and tell me that I do know something and I do know what I'm doing. And then something will happen that will just hit me with a reality check like, no, John, you don't know shit. Because once I get a little bit of time, I want to think that I'm better than, um, you know, you guys look up to me and this, and that's just the shit inside me. That's my ego that wants to kill me. I had a tech tell me in treatment that my head wanted to kill me. Um, and it didn't make sense to me at the time. And it, and it, now it rings so true because if I listen to the things in my head, uh, you know, I always said, if I went to a, a, a therapist or, uh, you know, one of those people, if I went to them and told them like actually what goes on in my fucking head, that they would need therapy after the fact. Um, because it's dark, man. It's loud. It's fucked up there. So um, this is the only thing that I found that's kind of that gives me a break from that. Uh, it gives me a solution to the problem. I don't dwell on the problem today. Um, and again, it doesn't come overnight. You know, it just takes a little bit of work. Uh, I know there's a lot of guys that, that are here for the first time or new. Um, if you want to talk or you're looking for a phone number, if you need uh, sponsor or anything like that I am open to that as well but uh, other than that I appreciate you guys listening to me ramble on thank you John. <laughs>